Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. This is episode 22 of Dying for Life, and I'm sitting down with Katrina Higgins. After connecting on Instagram, unbeknownst to us, Katrina and I discovered that we had something in common. We didn't know each other, but I knew her brother, Alan Higgins, who was tragically murdered in 2002. Katrina opens up to me about how this affected her, developing PTSD and how her healing journey helped her to overcome this and other life changes. Welcome to Dying for Life. Start living. Right, I'm going to get started because um, <clears throat> it is a very free-flowing conversation, so we'll keep it that way. But um, before you introduce yourself, I just want to give a little backstory as to how we met. Um, and a really beautiful thing, I think. Um, so I knew Katrina's brother um, back probably, what was it, in 2000, 2001. And we went to Irish college together and um, Katrina's brother was murdered. I was at his funeral. Um, yeah. And then what? what is it? 20 years later then mm. you followed me on Instagram. I followed you back. I was scrolling through Katrina's Instagram and she was like, oh, it's my brother's 20 year anniversary. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Alan. <laughs> so I reached out to you um, and we were about like, we love to meet. So we did and found out that we were into the same kind of things. We had just done our facilitate. We both just done our facilitator training, um, our cacao facilitator training with Sarah. And yeah. So if you wouldn't mind, Katrina, just giving a little introduction into yourself. Yeah. Um, obviously, my name's Katrina. <laughs> um, I'm healing with Kat on Instagram. And I work worked as a veterinary nurse for 20 years up to last year and then I had a big huge awakening like most people left the job and then just kind of reinvented myself but I really feel like the work that I do now which is I'm a Reiki and sound healing practitioner and I facilitate cacao ceremonies in the only steaming for women and what I suppose like yeah it's just really interesting because when somebody says so what do you do there is this old part of me that still says I used to work as a veterinary mm. nurse for 20 years because that's still kind of hanging on just a little bit um but yeah that's in essence what I do and maybe as well it's like part of us is like <clears throat> doesn't want to go down this sort of oh I'm a healer or yeah. I'm a holistic yeah. like it's kind of like okay well what's your other job <laughs> yeah and it's interesting actually you say that because I do it does not sit right with me to say that I'm a healer. People keep saying, oh, you've healed me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Gave you the tools. I I gave you the tools. Mm. I connected to source. I, It's not me. I know it looks like it's me. I've gave you the space. I've held the space. I've gave you the plants. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so interesting that I'm like, oh, so you're a healer. I'm like, it just doesn't. It's it doesn't like, fit. yeah. Yeah, I think it can feel... Um, egotistical or something can't mm. it? it can feel a little bit it's like I'm going to heal you God complex or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah Um. so tell me how you went you set out on your healing journey I suppose maybe we'll go back a little bit into the trauma mm. um, and how that came about yeah Oh, God, I feel like I could write a book, Neve. God, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be one of my next things. Um, yeah, I suppose like just in, in a short sentence and then maybe we can touch off them if you want to. So basically, when I was a kid, I was affected by alcoholism in my family. And my brother, who you mentioned, had leukemia when he was a kid as well. So my household was not a very normal household, like most, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, I had a lot of trauma since I was really young, I suppose, dealing with that. And um, then from there, my brother, I suppose, went into remission in, in leukemia, as, uh, with leukemia. And then it was murdered then when he was 17 by a 15 year old and I was 19 at the time. I had just moved over to Scotland um, to study veterinary nursing. And so I had to get this emergency flight and all this crap was happening all that time. So um, from that then, um, obviously, I suffered with PTSD for about 15, 16 years. <clears throat> and then 
out of that, I suppose I used alcohol, drugs to numb out partying, all that lifestyle. And then I also suffered with panic attacks and anxiety mm. as well. So in for anyone nutshell, that doesn't know, what, what is PTSD or what does that feel like for someone? What does that look like? Do you know I was never diagnosed with PTSD until like literally the tail end of it a couple of years ago. Um, but looking back, it was so obvious, but it's post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, yeah, I used to have these relapses of like, so trauma, like just trauma responses in my body that I just couldn't cope, you know, and you'd always end up running to food or drugs or alcohol or whatever it is to numb out. Um, but yeah, it was like going back to the trauma responses, like it, it just something could trigger me. It could be something on the TV. It could be just somebody talking, like bumping into yourself yeah. this year and saying, oh, I used to know Alan straight away, I would probably go home and have a panic attack that day. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like really, truly amazing that I'm sitting here actually in the space that I'm in now, like being able to have fully come out the other side and healed and have complete inner peace with it. Like, it's amazing. Um, But yeah, so that's what post-traumatic stress is. Um, and then from that as well, I suppose, just to add to the traumas, um, I was then diagnosed with endometriosis and then I was told I had infertility issues as well. Mm-hmm. So they're all my list of things, <laughs> just to tick them off. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> to deal with your PTSD then, you turned to alcohol. Yeah, definitely. Partying, just right. partying session. and Yeah. And I think a big part of me was is that because I had this section of something being missing in my life uh, you know that I just completely felt numb I would say for the first three years after I died like completely numb couldn't feel any emotion any emotion at all um and then when I started to feel things I would just run to sessions mm. you know just session and for you weren't ready I suppose to deal with those emotions yeah and it's what like I think a lot of us will beat ourselves up about you know getting into that kind of thing or masking our pain and stuff like that but it's kind of what serves you at the time and you obviously weren't ready to deal with those emotions yet like being so young to yeah. lose your brother and to lose them in that way yeah um is tough you know and that's obviously what served you at the time because you weren't ready to process yeah. those emotions yeah. until you were ready and there was something about community as well that's what I was going to say that I, there was this huge part of me that needed to be liked and pleased I'm a people pleaser and you know I think that stemmed from the alcoholism that was affected in my family. But it was like I had this thing that I was like, oh, my God, we're part of a community. Like Mm. people like me, like I need to be part of this session and with friends and what I thought was friends, but they're not. (laughs) They're just your session friends, you know. Yeah, well, all of us, I mean, we're wired for connection, aren't we? And we do need community and connection, I suppose. It's just in what way do we go and seek that out? Mm. for most of us, we learn the hard way that it's usually the wrong way that we turn to to community. Um, maybe when we're in crisis mode and we're looking for that something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And when was the turning point for you then? So I had surgery for my endometriosis over in Birmingham in 2019, in November 2019. And three months after that, um, I had, I've also went through a divorce as well. <laughs> um, but when when that happened three months after that, I realized that I thought that I would get surgery and I would tick the box and go, OK, I'm fixed now. Mm. But actually, I realized that after my surgery, it wasn't getting better. And then I realized then that lifestyle and diet was a huge part of endometriosis as well. So I just thought the surgery was a fixer. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It helped dramatically and um, dramatically. But it was actually my lifestyle and diet. So three months after my surgery um, and I basically then coming into the end of January, into February, um, I just had this awakening. It was just like this something just the penny just dropped. Like I just was like, this is not the life for me. I shouldn't be here. Left my husband week of <laughs> covid uh, night, you know, COVID happened that mm-hmm. literally that week that I left him, and I was like, okay, yeah, no, this I need to. So anyway, walked away, and uh, that's when it started. So 
2020 was when it started. Mm -hmm. But this year, it completely had this huge, you know, I've had this huge growth, spiritually, health, everything. So 2020 is when When you... When it started. Yeah, when you walked away from that sort of lifestyle and yeah. started to realise that it wasn't serving you anymore and there was something that you needed to, to do about it. Exactly. What did you what did you start to do? What were like I think for me it was my if it all started off with a happy pair. <laughs> okay. So the happy pair just done this course of like I knew that I had to give up meat for my endometriosis. So endometriosis is an inflammatory disease. So you need to be on an anti-inflammatory diet. Mm -hmm. And I knew that changing my diet was going to be a huge thing. And leading up to my surgery, I was not in a good headspace. I was partying too much. I was eating the wrong foods and I was in chronic pain every day. And then since my surgery then, I was like, okay, I need to get my shit together basically. So... Um, and did the surgery help with the pain or were, were you still in pain? You know, I still can't answer that because I changed my diet and my lifestyle and surgery within three months of each yeah. other. So I don't know whether it was because of that or whether it was because of that or whether it was both. Mm -hmm. My feeling is it's both. Yeah, my feeling is that it's both. So I was di diagnosed with stage four endometriosis, which apparently is like the worst <laughs> um, and it was frozen pelvis so like my left ovary was stuck to my bell wall my right ovary was stuck to my appendix it was an absolute mess down there um, and so they were able to remove a lot of lesions and they were able to put things back the way they were so I would I would think that that would have a huge mm. uh, effect on it so I don't know which was the answer because they all happened within the same time more yeah. or less Um but and I and I was going through that healing three months, you know, still in pain after my surgery, but I still didn't know whether it was because I just had surgery or whether it was because I needed to change my diet and lifestyle. So but I realized that I do actually need to change my diet and lifestyle. I'd put on a lot of weight as well. And um, so I went on to the Happy Bear and I just signed up for one of those like plant based courses. Like and I thought, how can I be plant based? Like, I don't know how what even this means, like, you know. Um, and I started that and that's literally when it started. So just losing weight, lost 26 pounds within six months and just done it healthily, you know. And I just started touching off base off my spiritual practices. You know, I started doing a little bit of meditation. Just I've always been interested in it, but never knew how to, you know, one of these. Yeah, um, and then, similar. Yeah, yeah. And then you just kind of start picking up little things and following people on Instagram and following, you know, and it just started, it just escalated yeah, from and there. And you just go deeper and deeper then yeah. into it. Yeah. And then I'd done Reiki 1 that year. And that was it then for me. I was That's hooked. Yeah, and that's interesting that you were drawn to do that healing modality straight away because like often it can be a really long time before, you know, we can kind of practice meditation and mindfulness and it can be a really long time before we go that deep into because that's getting quite deep into, you know, getting attuned and all that is getting quite deep into, you know, the holistic and spiritual world. Yes. Yeah. So. And it's about peeling back layers of onions, isn't it? It's mm. like literally like peeling back a layer of onion. And I feel like this year it peeled about 20. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's like speeded up a, a bit. But I think we're always healing. That's the thing. Like we're, it's not that I can sit here and say, oh, I fully healed myself. Mm -hmm. I'm always healing. Everybody's always healing. You could heal from a cold yeah, or we're always cutting your finger well. or, you know, mm -hmm. all of that. Um, but Definitely, I am sitting here with complete inner peace. I don't live in the past anymore. I have no trauma responses in my body. Um, I don't, you know, like obviously I might get upset sometimes, you know, that's just normal. I'm of just course. human, like, you we know, all that's have our emotions. emotions yeah. yeah. But I think like for me, I was shoving things down. Mm. I was numbing out and shoving things down. I wasn't dealing with what the inner voices were saying, <laughs> you know. When they came up, what did they say and how did... And you don't have to get into this if you don't want to. But how did you deal with Alan's death and the murder, I suppose, then? So when it did eventually come up and, you know, you had kind of stopped masking the, the pain. It's interesting because I think there's stages of grief. First, you know, is was just completely numb. Then it's like, I don't know, you just have these constant reminders all the time, mm. you know, and 
he there was a program made about him, you know, and there was still yeah, in the it newspapers. Was still so public, it's like, even so when I was, big. I was telling Dan how we met there, and he was like, "Oh my god, yeah, I remember that." Mm. You know, everybody remembers it because at the time it wasn't like now where you hear about things like that every day. It was so shocking. Yeah, for that to happen, I think that for that to happen to a young person was so shocking. Yeah, and and now it happens nearly every oh, day. Every day, yeah. But scary. back then in twenty or two thousand and two. It, there was only two stabbings in Kulak Garda Station that year. Mm. <laughs> that year, like, sure, there's two a day yeah, now, probably, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it was a big shocking. Um, I suppose, like, I don't really remember over the last, tw- you know, the guts of 17 years, say, because the last three years have been a progressive uh, growth, you know, progressively growing mm. and healing. Um, but the the... I suppose, uh, so I always, looking back, I dealt with it by talk therapy. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that those talk therapy has a place. uh, 100%. Absolutely has a place. I was having this conversation the other day. Yeah, it definitely does. No, it definitely does. But I'm a prime example of, I talked, I had a psychotherapist and I had a lot of childhood stuff anyway as well. So I had a lot to deal with that up to Alan's death as well. And so I had a psychotherapist for who's now became a friend because she knows me so well um, and she's in my life as a friend now like mm-hmm. she's not my therapist anymore but I had a therapist for 15 17 years like a good the good chunk of 15 17 years and she would come in and out of my life when things got too much and then you know it was waves yeah. you know and especially at the beginning it was every week and but I wasn't ready to talk about it my mom forced me to go there it yeah. was like you need to you know it's you the thing to, to do you need to deal with yeah, your trauma yeah. like and immediately I, <laughs> and I'd say and then my dad died like 10 years after my brother and there was only just the four of us it was a really small family mm-hmm. like um and so after my dad died I was like okay I need to go back to her again and so I remember going back to her and that was 10 years after my brother and I had gone to talk to her for 10 years but the real true talk therapy happened after 10 years Mm. so I was sitting in her space and talking about it but I wasn't really talking about it yeah. like I felt like I had to be there because my mom told me to be there yeah makes um, so much sense or that I thought you know oh, okay my brother has been murdered I have to go for help yeah <laughs> yeah um so it's interesting that actually really after my dad died that's when I really actually done the real talk therapy after Alan when you were ready probably yeah when, when you I was were, ready when you yeah. had grown up a little bit more and when yeah. you were ready like you were essentially yeah. still a teenager when that happened yeah not but I suppose what him. I was going to say was um, there's definitely a, a, a need for talk therapy. There's definitely a place for it. But I also think we store so much in our bodies. Yeah, and that's, energy, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually when my true healing began is when I started releasing the actual stored, stuck, stagnant energy I love in my that. body. And I think that's so important to know because I had this conversation with somebody a few days ago when we were talking about talk therapy like that and different different types of therapy um, and we were just talking about how talk therapy is so important but it doesn't get really at your energy which is what you know Reiki and Rahani and other healing modalities do for me is to you know release that blocked energy that you store in your body you know through I don't know holding back tears or you know holding on to emotion and stuff like that um, so I definitely think that they all have their place in um in our life yeah definitely and I think looking back I feel not that I was failed I had to figure that out on my own Mm -hmm. but I kind of wish that somebody had said this to me like uh, a long time ago oh yes you're going to talk about it that's absolutely great but also deal with your actual body Mm -hmm. the physical body as well um because I think endometriosis there is no cure there is no like you know but it's a disease at the end of the day so my body was not at ease yeah you know it was it manifested into a disease so I feel like all of the stuff that I was holding in all of you know I wasn't releasing this so I think and it all happens the way it happened you know not looking back and saying oh I regret it <laughs> you know it all just it's divine timing at the end of the day isn't it yeah um but I definitely think that if I had advice for someone else I would go do your talk therapy, but also do your physical your body, work. your energetic work yeah. as well. Like mm. huge. 
I know we've touched on it and I probably will keep in some of the crack that was at the start there, but the Yoni Steeman race oh. and how how that sort of, um, I suppose <laughs> when I said to you, like, I was like, that was mad. And anyone that I've said that I've gone to your Yoni Steeman was like, what? What is that? Like, what is that? <laughs> Everyone just getting naked. Like, what's know, going on? I know. How does it work? Um, but talk to me first about how you discovered Yoni Steeman. Um, and then maybe I suppose why you felt it was important to to bring it into your practice. Mm. Uh, it's funny. How you, do you ever just have something that comes into your life so much that you now just feels like you can't remember when it wasn't? Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, it just fits like it's so well. Um, this year I went to a circle with Yoni steaming for women. And I was telling this funny story actually because... Um, it was a lady that I knew through a business, start your own business course that I started this year. And um, she had said to me, oh, I think we're both into the same things. And English wasn't her first language. So she texted me this and she said, uh, we're going for I'm going to a Yoni steam and women's circle or something. Um, and I'd never heard of Yoni before. I was like, what's this? But I didn't actually Google it because I was in a conversation with her, like, mm-hmm. so, you know, through text. Like, so she said, um, so I'm going to uh, a Yoni Steeman thing and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, OK, what's Yoni Steeman? And she said, you take your, <laughs> <laughs> you sit on a stool. And the way she said it, like, God, I don't mean to say it like that. But uh, she, you sit on a stool with herbs. You wear a skirt, take knickers off. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, this is hilarious. But I and then she said, oh, let me maybe I'm not explaining that right, because I was like, what? And I just had this vision of people like in this room being naked. You know, exactly yeah, what exactly you're saying. What I was like, people, when I said I went to the only scene, exactly. People were like, how, what? How does it work? Tell me everything. <laughs> yeah. so, so I was really questions. I was really intrigued. But at the same time, I was like, oh, no, I don't know about this. Like, um, so I needed to know more details. Well, it is. It's intimate, you know. But yeah, of course it is. At the and same time, so it's not, though. Yeah, you know? I know. Yeah. And I don't think you can explain that until you're in a circle. No. Sorry. Go yeah, on. yeah. No, it's grand. Um, so... I said, no, you'll have to explain more. So anyway, she took a screenshot of like a Yoni throne or a stool that you would sit on from Amazon. Worse. <laughs> I know, but then but then I could visualize it in my head and went, ah, okay. And then I was like, but are you covered up? Or she's like, yeah, yeah, you cover yourself with a blanket. And I was like, oh, okay. So nobody's going to see anything. Mm-hmm. I was just like, no. So I was really nervous when I first went because I was like, I don't know, like there's other women in the room and, you know, and I'm not really that nervous about, you know, taking, you know, like on a beach okay, or Katrina, something. Okay, calm down. <laughs> Taking your clothes off. <laughs> Maybe I would be, but no, you know, like in if you're on a beach or something, like I wouldn't be like, you know. Yeah, you would anyway, be prudish or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Um, but uh, it, the moment, so there was all this, you know, once I got out of my head of all these things and I understand now that when women steam for the first time, they will have the same things going on in their head. It's like, Will anybody see anything? When do I take my knickers off? Like, what what do I wear? What long skirt do I wear? Like, is any, what does it feel like? Mm -hmm. You know, is there going to be herbs up there? You know, all these questions that you're like, what? And you still feel like that when you sit there as well. (laughs) Like when you sit there and you're, and like you go into, obviously it's a ceremony and there's cacao involved and stuff and you, you sit on it and you're like, if it took me like a few minutes to get into it, to Mm. actually like get into the meditation. Yeah. Um, I'd actually in fairness I didn't get into mine at all for the first one really yeah it took me the second go actually that I could really just forget about the people that were in the room mm. now when I was doing it it was in someone's house in a sitting room okay, it wasn't in a, it wasn't in a ceremony <laughs> type space yeah. like we all did and we were singing and <laughs> like playing drums and guitar mm. while we were all sitting on it so there was that kind of powerful women type thing but it wasn't in a ceremony setting if that okay. makes sense um, so I think that made it worse oh yeah do you know because I'm like, I was, like sitting in something someone playing me guitar I, I know on the fucking drone like <laughs> just leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually what happened but anyway when I started getting into it though I remember though sorry that's what I was going to say the only thing I remember is is that when I sat on it for the first time and I got past all of those things and all of those questions and all those you know and then I sat on it there was a moment of me going, oh, my God, I've done this before. 
Like mm. I have done this before, even though not right now in my physical body. But I was like, there was something that inside me just knew that my ancestral line or, you know, it was it dates back centuries. Like, so I was like, yeah. I knew that I'd done it before. It's funny because it feels so abnormal and weird and mad to us. But then I remember being at your ceremony and there were a couple of um, Polish girls, I think, or Eastern European girls. Um, God, that's such a generalization. Apologies. But um, <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of girls next to me and they were like, you know, this is part of our culture. It's what we do. You know, if we get infections or, you know, our grandmothers will just like get out a pot of herbs and hot water and tell us to hover over it. <laughs> and <laughs> like, they weren't even But it makes copying. so much sense. Yeah, but they weren't even, they were saying this and going, Oh my God, they were making the penny the was only making yeah. the drops then. Like mm. they were like, yeah, I actually done this before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I'd, and then the second thing that came up for me was when I started going every month or every couple of weeks um, and I kept going more and more and more. It was just this huge message of I was starting to do my cacao facilitator training and I was like, these two need to go together in some sense, in some times, or maybe not, you know, maybe just the only semen or maybe just kick out. But they just really went really well together. And I was just thinking, and she didn't have kick out. <laughs> it was just the only semen. Like, um, and just something inside me went, oh my God, I have to help women heal their wombs. Mm. You know, somehow, like, I just felt like this, I need to provide this for women. Like, it was so strong. What made you go in the end, even though it sounded like a mad idea to were you just intrigued or was it the benefits for you know to help well, you know obviously because it's it helps endometriosis we'll get into the benefits in a minute in yeah minute, but. yeah uh do you mean why did I um when she said do you want to come to a yoni steaming with me what made oh, you just go yeah. okay fuck it, I'll go do you know what I was in my healing journey mm. um I had got burnt out from work I took some time off and I got burnt out from work and life and mm -hmm. the reason why I got burnt out from work it's really interesting to say is that I wasn't listening to myself for the last two or three years and so it came screaming at me and it made me emotionally ill that it was like you can't keep running and doing and not dealing with your your things and I had started this journey three years ago so I and thought was I was this at the same time it came screaming at the same time as you were like, I need to, I need a separation. Plus I need to leave my job. Uh, no, that happened three years ago. Okay. So it was like my separation happened three years ago. And then I was on this like spiritual healing journey or what I thought. Mm. I was dipping my toes in yeah. and I thought I was doing great. But then I was working like 40, 50 hours a week. Then COVID happened and we as veterinary nurses got completely burnt out because we were double the amount of work with less staff and it was like absolutely crazy it was like a hospital yeah. <laughs> I can't compare it well, it like, is it's an animal hospital it, was, it <laughs> is but like it was just absolutely mental so we were doing these like 12 hour shifts like three days on four days on. it was just it was like that for a year and a half like um, and so we got burnt out from that but I also feel that the work that I'm doing now it should have happened on my actual awakening year mm. of 2020 like it should have happened then but I and it was telling me to do this it was telling me to leave veterinary nursing and start go down this path, but I ignored it, <laughs> and, and I then it, and I kept getting louder, and like kept getting louder, yeah. louder, 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 and then they send you post its, and then it sends you emails, and yeah. then it's like <laughs> it's like hello, then it and then it just like <laughs> makes me actually emotionally ill, like I could barely yeah. even get out of bed, like it wow. was like I was so burnt out. So was that just from burnout that you were that sick? Just burnout, yeah, just burnout from work, and also just not listening to myself and not actually really doing the proper deep healing work. And that's interesting because we were talking about like energetically how we hold on to things and you had gone through a period there where you ha you, you did heal yourself energetically or, you know, we are continuing and we're always evolving, but um, you essentially started to ignore that though in the workspace and to ignore how it was making you feel. Until your body was just like enough. Yeah. Until and you actually had to sit down and listen. Physically ill, like physically mm. ill. Yeah. And so I took some time off work and even taking time off work. I was a head nurse in a really busy practice. And a lot of my jobs, I had to stay on for an extra two weeks. 
um, to hand stuff over because nobody else could do my job in there. So like it was like, I, yes, I'm burnt out. I need some time off. But actually, I have to work for the next two weeks. Yeah. to hand all my jobs over. Um, and then I can be burnt out. And then I can be burnt out. Like, But for me, for someone to give me that permission, you know, the doctor is like, you need to take some time off. Like you're completely burnt out. For them to give me that permission, um, it was like, oh, Oh, but work won't go on without, like, how can it go on without me? Like, you know, and uh, they're like, no, no, they'll just need to deal with it. Like, so it's funny how when somebody gives you permission. I know. And we <laughs> and, do. We need that permission. Yeah. Like, even. Yeah, I suppose for me, it's it feels the same with work. Um, it's not until that you, you get really sick that you actually slow down and it's your body screaming at you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, whether that was working for myself or working for someone else especially working for myself because when I started working for myself I thought oh yeah this is the ultimate freedom I finally get to do what I want to do and work for myself and work around my own hours and my own time but I ended up burning myself out because I was doing too much I was like yeah I can work on Paddy's day and then I can take like time off but I wasn't doing that I was just working right through right through holidays right through bank holidays and I was the same I ended up getting burnt out then I got um COVID and straight after I got shingles. Um, Is yeah. that not your body just completely screaming at me? Screaming, like, at, screaming you, like, at me. So yeah. that's why I went, I went back to employment and I was like, look, I need to take a step back from this and just go back to, you know, going into a job, doing my job and going home and getting a monthly salary for as like grim as that sounds. It serves me right now. Yeah. Because I just can't like be back at that burnout stage again. And I think that's probably... I'm going in a rabbit hole now, but it's probably a myth when people think, you know, working for yourself is easier or um, like it's, you know, you have more freedom. You do. But at the same time, you could be like off with your kid during the day and then you're working at night, mm. you know, so it's a different sort of burnout, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's trying to find the balance, isn't it? Because I'm only just finding my feet. So Mm. it's all these things that I need to listen to people like you that are saying, don't go down that road. (laughs) Try to stay, you know. It's um, all about harmony, like you said. Balance and harmony. Yeah. Um, Balance does not exist. I think it's 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 in harmony with your life and what works for you. Right now, this is what works for me being in employment. Back then, when I started out on my self-employment journey, that's what worked for me. But I went too far into like thinking I needed to do it all, thinking I needed to do everything um, and all at once, which is my personality as well. Part of it, like it's, you know, impatience and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think definitely when you're working for yourself, you need to be very careful not to burn yourself out the same way as we do in in jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you do get this thing that at the beginning you're like, it's all so exciting and there's, you know, and um, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. And like you have to keep remembering the why. That's so important as well, isn't it? Remembering the why. Yeah. Um, Because you can't you can just run away with yourself. Absolutely. And that's what (laughs) I did. Like essentially the why I did it was to have more time with my child. But I didn't. I was always stuck to my laptop. Mm. I might have been having a movie night with him, but my laptop was on my lap. You yeah. Know? And he'd be like, when are you finished? You know, um, but you're never finished <laughs> No, <laughs> when you're working for yourself. That's what you have to be really careful of. You have to set your boundaries and, you know, make sure that you're clocking off at a certain time and that you don't work weekends and that you're not thinking about it. Yeah. Um, like this month is the first month that I set for January and figured out all of my diary. And I blocked off my appointments like that. Nobody can book online yeah. for certain days mm-hmm. after trips away. And, you know, just really kind of structurally. So yeah, just structurally gave me the time and especially holding space for women. <laughs> it's yeah. so exhausting the yeah. next day. And I need it. You can't like I need to take that half day or full day the next day. There's no way I could go in and see a client the next morning. Mm. There's no way. No, you wouldn't have the energy for it. Like. No. No, we went off topic there. Yes, <laughs> let's come back to we're all the getting, Oni. We're jumping all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's okay. But let's come back to the Oni steaming. So, um, you went to your first Oni steam. You then felt like you had to carry this on. Yes, I. There was just this huge burning desire to go. Oh my god, I need to do this for women. 
Like it's not from a business point of view or anything. It's just something inside me that just felt called to say, I need to provide this for women. There is womb spaces that need to be healed or, you know, in Ireland, that's it. Yeah. And like I kind of heard about it a little bit, but not that much. But since I started the Only Seaman, everything's about, oh, no, we do. There's loads of wombs in Ireland that need to be healed. Yeah. But I just kind of had made that, you know, that that came to me before I kind of really knew that. You know, it was the start of my kind of healing journey as well. Um. And a lot of these things, you know, that we that we study, uh, I don't know about you, Neve, but like we need to have that bond ourselves before we can do it for others. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We like need to fit. Yeah, absolutely. Like I definitely, like I did my facilitator training in October, but I definitely don't feel ready. I, I went to go and do you remember to hold yeah. a ceremony in December? Yeah. And it just wasn't right. We didn't get enough people. We didn't get the bookings. And I was like, oh, it's the time of year, but... I actually, I don't think I was ready and I'm still not ready now. I probably won't be ready probably until February, I'm thinking. I'm nearly there. Um, but like my journey with cacao like started the first time I drank it with Sarah, which was on the first episode she did with me in last May. Um, but I started it without fully understanding it until I did my facilitator training. So like that, when I made a cup for Dan, he was like, this is like hot chocolate. <laughs> um one day in the studio that was when Sarah came in the second time and she was like what is this like lucky we're having our facilitator training tomorrow <laughs> because this is actually like Cadbury's um, that's how I used to make mine as well because yeah. I would think that it would be like Cadbury's hot yeah. chocolate like <laughs> yeah and obviously now I've been sitting with it properly for Jesus only since October so three four months um, yeah and I probably only feel ready for it like that to to give it to other people now yeah there's a, there's a voice inside that goes, now I'm ready. Yeah. And if you're questioning it, you're not ready. Mm. There is something that just clicks and goes, okay, you've built that relationship with her now. You've done your healing. You've done all your work on you. And yeah. now you're time to serve the medicine to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, and the first time, I always remember Sarah saying in her training, uh, our training that Sarah, because um, I done my training before you, like six yeah. months before you, but mm -hmm. um. I remember Sarah saying that first time that you serve that medicine, you will never forget that feeling um, because, yeah, it's just such a it's such such a just a sacred healing medicine. Like, you know, and I do remember her voice in my head as I was serving the first cup. It was like there is a energetic change around it that it's not about you anymore. And there was this like, oh, it was it was a weird like, yeah, you're do you know? sharing it or you're passing it on. Yeah. And it's like it's not about you sitting with the medicine anymore. It's like it's not about you and her, that bond that you have, that relationship. And it's like suddenly now it's about other people. Yeah. But you still have that, but it's different. Mm -hmm. It changes straight away, like instantly when you serve that first cup. <laughs> like your yoni steam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us what the benefits are for anyone who doesn't know. For Yoni Steeman. Do you know is. what? Actually, so I did not go to Yoni Steeman because of my endometriosis. But obviously then that became an extra benefit then yeah. because I was like noticing that during my cycle, it was like that's amazing. That's mad because I thought that that was your, your, you know, that's why you were drawn to it was no. because of that. Yeah, no. Um, and I just felt called to, to, to go. To, I was in that space. The first time I went for Yoni Steam, I was in that space of me healing. I had taken time off work. I was taking a step back. I was reestablishing everything. And I was actually cutting cords around me everywhere. I moved back to my mum's because I couldn't afford rent anymore. So I really made a huge amount of changes that started this year. But I feel like all those changes had to happen and cut all of the cords around me to be able to have that rebirth. I had a rebirth in, in yeah. cacao ceremony. And I feel like that needed to happen in order for that to happen. But with my Yoni steaming, it was like, that was just part of my healing journey. I wasn't expecting it to go down this road and for me to do it for other women. But I remember after even just the first steam, my next period was amazing. I was like, okay. Thought it was just a fluke. And then I went again and again and again. And the more I was doing Yoni steaming, it was like, wow, God, my periods are amazing. Everything changed. 
And what were the benefits that you felt from it? What are so, the benefits for? So for sorry, who don't sorry, know? that was your question. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So the benefits for yoni semen are there's so many. So there, it helps with menstrual cramps, uh, especially PCOS, is it polycystic mm-hmm. syndrome, um, and menstrual flow, any delayed, stagnant um, uh, periods, um, and then it also helps with uh, balance hormones. Uh, helps with fertility so especially with fertility because what you're doing is you're taking old material out so if you're steaming um you're creating a fresh uterine wall for the embryo to stick so that's why it's got a really high rate for fertility mm. they recommend to steam for three months before you start actively trying because you can't steam while you're actively trying to conceive because you could steam the egg away. Yeah. <laughs> so um, but that's another one. And then things like, yeah, balance and hormones and any gynecological issues, like any gynecological issues. And then it helps like the libido and lubrication and all that as well. Mm. Um, and it helps with men, um, menopause as well, especially with the hormones, even though I know you don't have periods anymore, like it can really help with that. But for me, like I steam once a week three times a month and it's huge dramatically changed my, with my pain and also my actual period lens and also the color <laughs> mm. yeah so it's so interesting because like even with regard to fertility like like we cleanse other parts of our body so it makes sense that we would prepare for conception yeah you know yeah and and also what what it, what how yoni steaming really started was it's for used for postpartum, so it's way back centuries they used to use it for after having a baby mm, just for a couple cleanse, of days to, yeah. to steam out anything that was mm. there you know and uh, that's how it started, and actually it's interesting because in Japan I learned that there's a yoni steam places like Starbucks oh yeah you did you said this at the ceremony <laughs> I was like what? that's so funny. It's funny, though, because it's just a cultural thing. Like, that's why I think everyone was so allergic to when I was saying, like, I went to Yoni Steam and they're like, what? <laughs> like, how, we're so how, far what? behind like, in Ireland. Seriously. Like, yeah. we're so far behind in but Ireland. But it was so easy. Like, I've, like I'm, I'm a bit now. I wouldn't give a shit. Like, I think once you have a baby and... <laughs> All the pride goes in. Literally, it gets left <laughs> at the hospital door. Like, you just don't give a shit anymore. So I didn't really care. <laughs> um, I remember, like, when we... It was only when we first met and you were like, I'm doing Yoni Steams. And I was like, sign me up for the next one. <laughs> um, So, yeah, I felt fine about it. But then, I don't know, you're in a women's circle and it's a safe space. And, you know, everyone's there for the same thing and everyone feels the same way. So... It's actually fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I think once you get past the whole, you know, f- a little bit of fear or vulnerability mm. in your head that you're going, what's it going to feel like? You know, all those things, you know, yeah. once you get past that, yeah. then you're like, OK, I can I know what to expect. It's like that with everything really, mm. isn't it? Um, but I mean, yoni semen as well, like it has a huge physical benefits, which we've just talked about, but actually from an emotional side as well, like it can release stored trauma. We store a lot of emotions yeah. <laughs> in our in our womb um, and it can release stored emotions and um, uh, traumas in your womb space as well. And it's just such a nice detoxification for your womb. Yeah. It's just a nice cleanse for your womb, you know, Um yeah. And the herbs, like, they just smell Oh, lovely, my God, they? they smell amazing. Divine. I wasn't expecting that <laughs> yeah, either. Yeah. Um, when I opened them up, I was like, oh, my God. And, like, the smell was just yeah. unreal. And people feel like there is just something about connecting to your womb, isn't it? Just yeah. connecting to your feminine power, your... Um, so many of us, you know, to like your body, this, like it's, to your body, yeah, we're Just so disconnected, like yes. in general, like um, yeah, from our body, like you said, like you didn't know you had to do that energetic work, and it would have been the same sort of journey for me as well, at the time. Um, but it makes so much sense, like, and it is a great way to connect. Yeah. Um, it was for me, it was amazing. Anyway, like I still have not so. Obviously, not every woman cries, <laughs> but before I released it into doing it as a circle, um, I was using it a lot with one to one kick house ceremonies that mm. I was doing. And I was just kind of saying to them, I feel that you should do a yoni steam. How do you feel? And a lot of them were like, yes. 
Um, and I, they just weren't expecting to feel the emotions like yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. They just, I did. I cried during mine. So many women just sitting there crying on their thrones. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like floods of tears, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's interesting because it was my first women's group to do it in and I was seeing how many people were crying because I've only ever seen it in a one to one and they've all cried and I cried. Yeah. I still cry sometimes on it, you know, um, and yeah, it's just really interesting to see like, oh, my God, there's something about it that just releases, releases the blocked emotion. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously helps with your um, sacral chakra yeah. and your root chakras as well. So mm-hmm. obviously um it can help with unblocking them as well, you know. Um, but it's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And the smell of the herbs, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know so much so that it's it's led me to think like after the ceremony, I was looking up thrones and herbs and I was like, I need to do this on a weekly basis as yeah. well. Because the benefits were amazing. Yeah. 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 Um so your um offerings and your healings and stuff like that what else is it that you do now that you're doing a full-time um what is it that you do to help people I know it's mainly women's work that you do so what other offerings do I do yeah yeah so Reiki that was a funny way Every- of asking that question yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> got a bit flustered there <laughs> doesn't everybody ever start off with Reiki don't they I know <laughs> did you ever hear well, that well I didn't <laughs> oh did you no oh I thought you'd done it I started with um Rahini no with meditation, teaching oh, yes. and holistic counselling. And then I went to, I went down to holistic counselling route, but I just felt it a lot, taking on other people's energy. Um, I probably just didn't know how to deal with it then, which is quite dangerous. Um, and then it was only this year I did my Rahani attunement. Oh like my God, I always thought After my kick-out facilitator um, course. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I would have put so you down as a Reiki. The start of November. So I did my Rani. Uh, yeah, most people start off with Reiki. And it's interesting because every time I talk to someone, they go, oh, yeah, I start off with Reiki, Reiki, Reiki. It's always Reiki. Yeah. Um, so Reiki, yes, I'm a Reiki practitioner. And then, so I've always been mad about music. Like, I've always been a bit musical. I've done music and skill. My nana was a, um, a piano player. I kind of, I play drums and I do like cajon, play the cajon and um, not a lot of people know about that. You played what? The cajon. What's the cajon? Cajon. It's the box you sit on. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. And like, Deadly. Yeah, it's really cool. I love I it. I actually never knew what that was called. Yeah. I think it's, do they call it a jam box or something? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think I just <laughs> That's the proper box. name. C-A-J-O-N. <laughs> Cahon. Cool. Um, but uh, maybe I'm not saying that right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was musical. I've always been into music. And so sound healing to me was just like it. I feel like it's just my second arm. Like I don't need to. It. I just took it like a duck to water, probably more so than anything else. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I offer sound healing um, and also the kick out. Cacao, yeah, and your ceremonies are so nice because they're all of those things in one. <laughs> um, Thank you. As well as the only steam and like, um, with the only steam and this cacao and a sound bath afterwards. Yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. I just like the things when I see the transformations in my appointments has been unbelievable. Those one to ones where you just see people release. It's all mm. about releasing. Like it's yeah. like wow, um. And even me to like, even though I've studied it and everything, it's just for me to witness that and to be part of that and to guide them into that and to use my intuition. That's probably the most hardest thing about all of it is using your intuition. It's a hard thing for you to trust, I think, in the in the beginning when you become aware of it. Yeah, because when like your career is like veterinary nursing and then you go to this and it's like, how am I trusting the words that are coming up, the voices, yeah. the feelings, the, you know, and so that's probably being my biggest thing. But the more I do it, the more I'm working with it, the more I can see the transformations more. And now I'm trusting what I'm saying, you know, it's I'm trusting no what I'm doing. It's probably no accident either that like, like veterinary nursing, it's still an energetic thing. Do you know what I mean? It's still yeah. like a, It's interesting you know. actually, because now I think about it, I've only just copped this now. There's been so many times I'm not saying that the pets spoke to me. <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> that I'm a dog whisperer. whisperer. No, but like 
actually there was this feeling. There was always a feeling. And I used to just say, this dog feels sick. or Like I used to just say it like, mm. but nobody. But obviously, you know, we'd be looking at the dog and looking at what it physically looks like, you know. But that's actually mad. And yeah. I said that without thinking as well, because it is it's a, you know, a hands on sort of a, a profession that you would go naturally. You're a healer. But then actually animals can't talk. I just fucking forgot that. Yeah. You're like an animal <laughs> doctor, but like they can't talk. Yeah. So that's you the are hard. just it, you are just going with your gut on what you think that they need. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, it's it's all to do with taking history from the owner. You know, it's a lot about asking they're the right human questions. Asking, they're human talking yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah, literally, that's what it is. You rely on the history of them giving you information. But it's also what you physically find in the body as mm. well, you know. But it's funny how I, for me, it's like I was talking about this on, on a podcast yesterday. Um, I know my soul's purpose from when I was a child. I always wanted to work with animals. I always wanted to help animals. That was my soul's purpose. And I, I was the only one in my class that always had this one goal and everyone else didn't know what they wanted to do. I knew, always knew what I wanted to do since I was a kid. And it was to work and help heal animals. That was my thing. And I knew that since I was, could walk like, you know, and um, and then I done that and it served me for a good 15, 17 years. Um, Still longer than most people stick out a career to be Yeah, fair. yeah, I know. And especially in veterinary nursing because everyone's leaving and <laughs> now now it's five years. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's interesting because my old me, my old Katrina was, that was my soul's purpose. And now that's changed. <laughs> and they were asking me, I say, do you feel sad about that? And I'm like, no, because mm. there's an old me and a new me. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just feel like a different person. So I don't, don't feel, I, see, I feel like this is my second chapter of my life. Like, yeah. You don't feel like that would be aligned for you now. No. If you were to go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I am doing the odd shifts every now and then still. And it just doesn't serve me at all. But yeah. I love the people that I work with and stuff. But mm. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting when you get so skilled at something, but it just doesn't ignite your fire anymore. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> but it serves me for now. Um, so, yeah. you know, deep down. Yeah. 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 I know deep down. But we won't talk about that. That's for another day. Because that's how I got burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like I said, like it serves me for now and it won't forever. I know it won't forever. Um. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have an end goal, whereas mine was different. That's why I got burnt out was because I wasn't listening. Mm. I wasn't even admitting that. Yeah. At least you're admitting that and re- recognizing that, you know. Yeah. 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 Katrina, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, you're so welcome. Do you want to drop? I know you've probably you have dropped your Instagram handle, I think, at the beginning of the podcast. But do you want to let people know where they can find you and yes. maybe how they can work with you? I know we've talked about it as well. Yeah, so I best place to find me, I suppose, is on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Healing with Cat. Perfect. And yeah. your next Yoni Steam? My next Yoni Steam is next Wednesday. So I'll be Yoni Steam and Cacao Ceremony with Sound Healing. Uh, next Wednesday, I have two spaces left for that. And then I have another one on the following Wednesday, which is the 18th, which is Wednesday the 18th. And then the following one after that is on the 25th. And that's going to be Breathwork and Cacao. Nice. Yeah. Thanks so much, Katrina. No problem. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I hope you took something from that chat with Katrina. If you did, don't forget to share it on social media, tagging at Dying for Life podcast and Katrina at Healing with Cat. And as always, for some extra love, don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is produced by Primal Productions. To get in touch, go to primal.ie or at primalpro on Instagram. Bye.